Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. The quest for 10-7 and seven is on. Mm. The quest for seven straight wins, they've got two wins in their back pocket already, is on for your Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, I don't think that there are, let's, let me rephrase that, I'm not ready to fully buy in on the 10-7 and seven train yet. No, not Until yet. Until they get to 7-7. Seven seven. <laughs> if they I, can get to 500, Tom, I think you can easily win the next three games. But I, until then, I'm still going to be like, let's pump the brakes. Let's get back on even playing field record-wise before we go, they're going to go 10-7, and seven! yeah! I don't know if I'm willing to believe 10-7 and seven is a real possibility until it's week 19 and I see 10-7 and seven as a Steelers record <laughs> to end the season. And because as as easy you could say getting to 500, once you get to 500, then you can rattle off three more wins on top of that. But even so, those three wins come against two divisional opponents and one team that has been your bogeyman for like what the past decade plus. Did you say bogeyman? Did I say bogeyman? The bogeyman. You just combined bogey team A bogey and bogeyman team together. And, yeah, yeah, I did. That's exactly what I did. Yeah, so I'm not really ready to get into the, well, the Ravens have a backup quarterback, and then when Lamar comes back for the next game, he hasn't been exactly himself, and then you're playing uh, after the Ravens. You go and you play a, a bad Panthers team on the road. Then you got the Raiders, who just embarrassed themselves on Thursday Night Football last night to mm-hmm. a degree I didn't think was possible to embarrass no. yourself in. And then you got <laughs> oh, the Browns. And then you got the Browns at the end of the year. And you know what? If you're at 9-7 and seven in that last game of the year with the Browns at home— I know Deshaun Watson's back. He looked terrible in his Horrible. first game back. I mean, Kevin Zavansky, too, giving Nick Chubb, like, what, I know the Browns have a, a good offensive line and a good running game, but if you're 9-7 and seven and you have that game at home and the uh, and the Akershore faithful behind <laughs> you, like, that's anybody's game. You can easily beat the Browns. I wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers would be favored against the Browns at that point. So mm-hmm. the path is there, and it's not – like you get on the radio and sound insane by saying they can win out. Like it's not yeah. what a what a complete homer take that is. Mm-hmm. Like it is a legitimate chance. But this league is so upside down and you can ne- more than any league I think you can't just play these games on paper in the NFL. I mean of just last night the Raiders having all this momentum looking like a team that might surge like we hope the Steelers will down With the stretch. With an offense. They lose to Baker Mayfield. 
who I think was helicoptered into the stadium like five minutes before the coin toss. Like, it's just such an unpredictable league to just sit there and say, oh, well, they're better than every team that's remaining on their schedule, or at least on an equal playing field as every team left on their schedule. They'll go 10 and 7. That's foolish. I don't even know if they'll go seven and seven, to be honest. Especially, with you. Tom, it's foolish when this team at one point was two and six. This team at one point was three and seven. Right? This isn't a team that has been floating around five hundred, right? Where they started out four and four and then made it to six and five at one point. Like this is not a team that really has shown you they can they can hang with the really good teams and, and they've just had a couple of tough losses. No. The good teams that they've lost or the good teams that they've played got blown out by. Buffalo, Cincinnati in that second half, uh, Philadelphia, right? These There are teams out there that are significantly better than the Steelers, and they're on a, same, or a similar playing field as the Raiders, maybe slightly better than Carolina. So it's not a give-in that they're going to get to 500. I agree with you. And it starts this week. I think they can beat Carolina, but it starts this week. I mean, if it's not a given that you're going to beat Tyler Huntley in the Ravens this week. Yeah, let's take baby steps as we work our way towards that potential winning out, which would give you seven straight wins. And the first baby step is beating the Ravens at home with a backup quarterback. Uh, This series, no guarantee, even with a backup quarterback in. We've illustrated that all week long. Several programs around the Pittsburgh media Mm -hmm. landscape have illustrated that very thing. It's, It's just not a given when these two teams play, despite who's in and who's out at the quarterback position. That being said, I feel very confident in this game. I mm. feel maybe Dumb. as confident as I did heading into that Colts game a couple weeks ago. And I was pretty confident in the the win over the Colts in that game. Jeff Saturday, who is he? The Steelers almost lost. And that kind of goes back lost, to what we yeah. started this segment with. It's just such an unpredictable league that you can feel as good as you want on any given Sunday – but it's just never going to play out the way that you really expect it to. And I feel really good about this Ravens game. But that and could be, that, you It's know, a bit of an oxymoron to say I feel really good about this Ravens game. Because the these games are never never easy. The famous last words of a Steelers hopeful. I'm feeling really good about this game. Right? I am. And I just think that even if Lamar was in, I would have still given the Steelers a good chance to win the game. Now you take him out of the equation and... I've been saying all week, I think it's like making that offense run in slow motion once Lamar's out there. A team that's really good at stopping the Ravens' offense with Lamar is now going to have their life made a lot easier by having that offense just move a little slower because Huntley's not Lamar. I know it's been discussed a lot, and I'll kind of steal a little segment idea from one of our our fellow Steelers Radio Network shows. Mike Pursuta and Bob Labriola addressed this on Agree to Disagree. Uh, they talked about, are you more afraid of the Ravens' offense with a fully healthy Tyler Huntley or a hobbled Lamar Jackson? I'm more afraid of a hobbled Lamar Jackson. Oh, see, I... I'm more afraid of a hobbled Lamar Jackson. Dude, I... You ready for this? uh I don't think Tyler Huntley's any good. I was hosting Mark's show yesterday, and Mark was on, and... He said he thinks that Kenny Pickett and Tyler Huntley are kind of either even or maybe even Huntley might be better than Pickett. And I don't agree with that. Like, I I think Huntley is a very bad quarterback mm-hmm. that people think are is better than he actually is because he fits their system so well that when Lamar is out, Huntley can slide in and the offense is run relatively the exact same way that it would. It's not like Joe Flacco's coming in and you have to completely overhaul things and you can't be running your read options anymore. 
So I think maybe he gets a little overrated in the sense that it's a smooth transition stylistically wise. Mm -hmm. I think he sucks, dude. Like mm. his best asset to me is he runs the football and he will get you on 40 yards per game. That's his average since last year, week 11 to week 18 when he played. And he had 41 yards against the Broncos last week in his game that he pretty much took over from the jump after Lamar got hurt early. So other than his legs hurting you, I really don't fear Tyler Huntley. I would be, I'd be more weary of a hobbled Lamar Jackson, just because even though his running ability might be hindered, and that's Lamar's greatest strength, he's a much better passer than Tyler Huntley is. So much you, better passer. You were saying you were making the kind of the 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 point in a joking matter about the offense slowing down, right? Yeesh. But I honestly think it slows down maybe more with a hobbled Lamar Jackson because That the could Ravens, be true about the running style. Yeah, the because game, the yeah. Ravens are going to want to protect Lamar, right? If if the guy has a history of injuries and he's playing injured, right? He left the game last week and they they opt to say, "Okay, well, if he's able to go, we're going to put him out there." They're not going to execute at 100%, right? They're not going to say, "Lamar, we're just going to we're not going to make any adjustments for our injured quarterback. We're going to go 100% all out. Lamar's going to ball out. That's not what they're going to have to protect Lamar Jackson. They're going to have to have a lot more schemes that are are favorable to his protection, right? They're going to have to have an extra offensive lineman out there. And, and you know, maybe that would help. They, they do that anyway, it's just because of how much they run the ball. They don't really use the five um, skill player options as a lot of teams tend to do now. And they high-octane, high-offense league. But I, I still think that with Lamar needing that extra protection, they're going to be extra cautious with him, and that's not going to allow that offense to operate. I mean, first of all, let's take a step back and forget about Tyler Huntley versus Lamar Jackson. This offense as a whole— It stinks. It's been terrible lately. All, all year long, really. I mean, not maybe all year long, it but— It started out all right, but it's been awful. It's, I, I'd say, Tom— They among, struggled to beat you know, the Broncos. At, at season's end, people will be saying, oh, well, here's the most you know improved thing about this season, maybe like a comeback player of the year. Here's the biggest disappointment as a team. I think by season's end, people will be talking about the Ravens' offense as probably one of the most disappointing sides of a football all season long. They're one of the most disappointing teams as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, I could say, I could say too, Lamar individually maybe has had one of the most disappointing seasons. Yeah. And I know you said like he's still doing well, he's still running the ball, but well, I mean, they're eight and four because of him, even though he's right. Not playing and, I mean, like. You've said this all week long. No offense relies more upon one person than the Baltimore Ravens do for Lamar Jackson. And it's absolutely true. I mean, we saw last year when he went down. They lost uh, out. They lost out, right. And in the in the game, the first game they played uh with him like significantly hurt was that game against the Steelers in Pittsburgh around this time of year, first week of December. And then after that, he never played a single game for the rest of the season and they lost out. Uh but even with Lamar fully healthy, I do think that this is this is probably his worst season that he's played since his MVP season. Yeah, which is unfortunate because this is his bet on himself season. Right, yeah. I mean, and this was a season where people were saying because of that, right, because of that bet on himself, everyone was expecting him to really bounce back in a huge way after missing – Essentially, the entire second half or majority of the second half of the season last year. 
Everyone's saying, okay, he's coming back. He'll be healthy. He'll get J.K. Dobbins, who is healthy. He'll get Gus Edwards, who is healthy. That offense will act, or that offense will operate just as it did in 2019 when he won MVP, when they won 14 games. A lot of people were picking the Ravens, including us, to win the AFC North, despite the Bengals being defending AFC Conference champions. So, a lot of a lot of people had high, very high expectations for this Ravens team, the Ravens offense, and Lamar Jackson specifically. And honestly, Tom, I think it's one of the most disappointing teams, units, and maybe individual players of the year. We're talking like this all, and I just I, I see it in my mind's eye. Tyler Huntley, 60-yard pass to Devin Duvernay for a touchdown. Oh, yeah. Oh, this guy stinks. He only throws at the line of scrimmage. He's not a good passer. All he does is run the ball. I can see us just speaking into existence him throwing a deep ball, a dagger for a touchdown against the Steelers. Uh, You can't let that happen, though. And, yeah, the debate of a hobbled Lamar versus a healthy Tyler Huntley is definitely a warranted debate. And, You could go either side with that one, but the fact is you're going to face Tyler Huntley in this game, and that is, I don't want to say lucky for the Steelers, but it's a a break that they desperately needed. And at the beginning of the season, I feel like all the breaks were going against the Steelers and not for them. T.J. Watt gets hurt at the end of that Bengals game. I mean, uh, the interceptions thrown from Kenny Pickett where the one— he looked like he was trying to throw it away, and Firemuth jumps up, and he tips it into the air, and it stops it from going out of bounds, and it lands right into a Jets player's lap. I mean, so many bad breaks for your Steelers this year. It's, it's I don't want to say it's nice because I don't like players getting injured, but it's about time that one of them broke in the Steelers' direction, and now you have to take advantage of it. And if you do take advantage of it, you're going to be sitting at 6 and 7 which when they were 2 and 6 i don't think anybody thought they'd be to 6 and 7 let alone with a chance to get to 500 no we, you i mean for good reason though right when you're a team that's 2 and 6 and when it's ironic too tom maybe we should have been a little more optimistic even though this team really had a lot of reasons to be pessimistic think about the last couple of times where mike tomlin has started off a season 2 and 6 Right, you go. You look back to 2009, two and six start, eight and eight finish. You look back to 2012, eight and eight start, or I'm sorry, two and six start, I believe, an eight and eight finish. And similarly, I believe in uh, 2013, and they finished nine and seven, something like that. Right. So every time Mike Tomlin has had a rough start pre bye week, he's come back strong. And Dale Dale Lolly and Matt Williamson pointed out pointed this out on the drive the other day that Mike Tomlin by far since he's come into the league regardless of tenure on a team has had the best record of any any head coach post by the guy I don't know what he does but whatever he does he does right in terms of getting his team to perform post that bye week yeah, absolutely. He's, so, he's so a wizard at that. The buy, I mean, I really think, you know... Combination of a, a reset and also the schedule did soften up. Yes, of course. And, you know, but when you think about it, too, they got really lucky, the Steelers did. And this is coming two years post-2020 uh, when the Steelers had a bye week in week four, right? And they had to play the rest of the games. I know Mike Tomlin didn't care. Uh, but you certainly heard a lot of players voice frustration with it from the league or to the league. But I think they got really lucky with the timing of the bye and then the schedule getting easier. I mean, how often do you see a bye week right in the middle of the season, week eight, week nine? And then 
as a result, or, or following that by, you see your strength of schedule go from the hardest in the NFL, because we all know this season, pre-bye week, the Steelers had the hardest strength of schedule for those first eight games, or first nine, first eight games, and the following nine games, they have the 20th hardest schedule. So a huge drop off in opposing, uh, opposing opponents, sorry. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I think a good way to attack this Ravens team on the offensive side of the ball is by passing the ball. I know you see Humphrey. I know you see Peters. Those are names. I get it. Mm-hmm. But there's names on every level of this of this Ravens defense. I mean, you've got Calais Campbell and Jason Pierre-Paul and Justin Houston in the pass rush. You've got Roquan, Patrick Queen in the middle. You've got Humphrey and Peters. In the, there are name value. There, there are household names, stars all over that Ravens yeah. defense. So... You kind of got to pick which of the stars, which of the household names are playing lesser than the other household names. They're the best, second best run defense in the NFL, so they're a lead up front. They have 37 sacks on the year. That's like fourth in the league. They, they are getting after the passer, and mm-hmm. a multitude of people do it. I think like five different Ravens have three or more sacks on the mm-hmm. season, and Justin Houston leads the way with nine sacks, which is not at the league lead, but... He has a big T.J. Watt-esque game. He could jump into the race for a yeah. sack leader for sure. And it's so, always good to see a guy, I, to see players on your team get double-digit sacks. They take the ball away, so they are fourth in takeaways. They have 20 on the season, so you have to be a little wary about that. They will pick you off, but they're like 14th, 15th as far as a pass defense is concerned, if not even worse than that. That's the area where I would look to try to attack them. Now, that being said... We've been dealing with a bit of a squeaky wheel of lately in Pittsburgh mm-hmm. with George Pickens. We're not going to do the debate of should he, shouldn't he. We did that earlier this week. Yeah, we did. But the game plan, I think, is going to see a little bit of let's get number 14 involved early. Let's get George Pickens feeling himself a little bit in this game. And I worry that this is, A, the wrong opponent to do that against because of the takeaway thing. Yeah, you can beat them through the air, but are you really going to try to force passes into windows against the team that has shown the ability to catch the ball and create mm-hmm. turnovers? And, B, I just don't want my rookie quarterback to think he has to force the ball into tight windows. I think when he is avoiding Deontay, when he is avoiding George Pickens, when he is avoiding George Pickens in – um the games, it's not because he's like, I woke up this morning and ate breakfast and decided I hated George Pickens. Or like, I didn't right. want to throw it. The coverage is there. They're double teaming them. I heard Dale Lally talking about this in the hallway the other day. Like, he wasn't throwing to Deontay because they were covering Deontay like crazy. Mm-hmm. You don't want your rookie thrown into double coverage, and your rookie doesn't want to throw into double coverage. And, that's and, something he learns to and do. And you know what? Good on Kenny Pickens. No, that's he shouldn't be throwing right. into double coverage. And now with Pickens getting a little bit more of the attention, that's what people have said after the Falcons game. He got a little bit more mm-hmm. attention from that secondary. I think the same thing kind of happened. I don't want to force the ball into double coverage. George, mm-hmm. you might be open, but you're not Deontay open. Like, the guy's draped all over you. Like, think of all the great catches that George Pickens has made this year. There's been a guy right next to him. Right. There's been a guy he's all not, over him. He's not able to get 
open as easily or create that separation as easily as there Deontay hasn't, Johnson. There can. hasn't been that I'm running in the middle of the field wide open. Mm-hmm. He's just not there yet as a route runner, and he might never be. That might not be his archetype of a player. Where Deontay's always open. I mean, that's just the the credo. He's he's one of the best route runners in the league. Analytically, they say he is one of the best at creating separation. Yes. So it's a bit different there, I think, honestly, where Deontay wants the ball because he knows he's open, and even if he's getting double coverage, Kenny, I'm beating the double coverage. George, he's not going to beat the double coverage. He's really not going to beat the single coverage. I get why Kenny might be a little weary of throwing the ball over there, especially when the credo clearly has been since the bye week, don't force the ball into tight windows, Mm -hmm. don't turn the ball over, and Kenny has done that better than anything since the bye week. Right, since the bye week, he has been accurate, A, Tom, and B, smart with the ball, right? I mean, this is exactly what you want to see out of your quarterback, and yeah, it may lead to some frustration on coming from George Pickens, but to be honest, Tom, I know how talented George Pickens is. I know what he's capable of. I need to see more growth and more progress from Kenny Pickett week. I'm far more concerned about that than I am George Pickett. And I think everybody is far more concerned about seeing that growth, seeing that progress, seeing that ceiling rise for Kenny Pickett than I am for George Pickens. It's far more important to the team. That's what it all is about, right? Yeah, right. It's right, 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 all right, right, about right, Kenny Pickett. Right, right, right. Williamson and loves so, to say the janitor has to be all about Kenny Pickett. Mm-hmm. The, the cafeteria lady has to be all about Kenny Pickett. Like, it's not just the team. It's an organizational propping up of this guy to be your next franchise player. And, and, a, and a receiver bemoaning about getting the ball at this point in Kenny's career, that's just something that he doesn't need to deal with. Right, and we've heard across many shows that he's been on this week, Jerry Dulac talk about the example uh, from, I think, a decade ago when Keenan Lewis was still on the team, a defensive back, lost a heartbreaker and wanted to be the last guy off the field just because it was a bad loss for him. And Tomlin said to him, you haven't been around long enough to be the last guy off the field. Same thing with Pickens. I haven't been around long enough to really... uh, You've been around—I don't want to say you haven't been around long enough to come to the sidelines and voice your frustrations like you did. Uh, in the moment, you can't really expect a—what is he, 21, 22-year-old? Yeah, very to young. just be like, oh, you know what? I need to have perspective here. My quarterback is young and growing, and it's a it's a learning process for all of us on this offense, not just Kenny, not just the mm-hmm. receiving court. I don't expect anybody to have that kind of maturation at that young of an age, at that kind of a rookie status. I think what really bothered me the most was the follow-up to what happened, where Tomlin kind of said he wants a guy like that publicly, and it feels like that might have enabled him a little bit because his media session on Wednesday rang of someone who was enabled to act like they were and thought that they did nothing wrong. So I'm not going to sit here and say you can't have an outburst on the sidelines, you can't show emotion. It's it's hard to turn that off. These guys are humans too. They're not robots. But the handling of it after is where I think the immaturity really arose and where he really needs to you know, get some perspective and realize this is going to be a learning process. This is going to be growing pains. Mm-hmm. You had your 100-yard uh, game already this year. You've had some spectacular catches. It's not going to be like that every single week until not only Kenny grows, but the offense as a whole grows. This is the young, one of the youngest offenses in the league, all of them as, as a unit. All of them, yeah, really, other than the offensive line. And they're young. So Yeah, they're still young. When you 
if if you're George, you you need to just realize that there's going to be weeks where I get five catches for 85 yards and I have a spectacular one and I score a touchdown. And then the next week it might be three targets, two catches, 15 yards. It's it's part of the process as mm-hmm. as they learn how to run this offense around Kenny Pickett to its its highest potential. Yeah, I mean, talking about operating as one, right? I mean, you brought up the youth. I think, is it either James Daniels or Mason Cole who's the oldest, right? And they're only 27 years old. But if you were to exclude the offensive line from that equation, Tom, you know, Kenny's 24. uh, Deontay, I think, is 25. uh, Pat's 24, I believe. As you mentioned, George Pickens is 21. Najee's only like 23, 20. They're all young. They have this very... They have this chance as a unit, as an offense, to kind of all grow up together in the peak of their career playing together, right? I don't know, to my memory, Tom, um, and I'm not as good of a historian with the sport as, say, Tim Benz is, but the last time I've seen a Steelers, this may be the only time I've seen a Steelers offense where every major piece is still on a rookie deal, except for Deontay, of course, playing on the first year after that rookie deal and going to be around at least for a couple of years together. And not only is it just, you know, the quarterback's young and a wide receiver's young and they have a running back who's decent, who's pretty young, right? No, it's all of them, right? You have a you have a first-round talent quarterback. You have a first-round talent running back. You have two really good receivers. You have a tight end who you believe is on his way to being the third-best tight end in the NFL, and they're all under the age of 25. And they're all playing on the rookie contract, except for Deontay, who's playing on his first year beyond that. So, really, they have this potential to grow together, but it starts and ends with Kenny Pickett. It has to. And George Pickens needs to understand that. Yeah, and I think he will ultimately understand that. But I also think that this, I don't want to say a sign of things to come, but... It's the type of receiver that he's going to be. He's going to yeah. he's going to be mean, vocal. We all saw his reaction you when he got drafted. You shouldn't be surprised by it either because like people in the scouting department said, "Yeah, mm-hmm. he's got attitude problems." That's why he fell. Right. Like you have to if you're going that and the injury. If yeah. in the injury, but if you're going to take a receiver that's had a little bit of attitude problems, you can't then on the other side of it be like, "Well, why is he acting like this? Why mm-hmm. why you took the risk of having a potential diva in your locker room. You took that risk. Uh, um, of bringing that in, hoping for the reward and the um, boom of the production on the field, and I think that's still going to come. Yeah, it has but already. It, uh, it, it has, has already. But the you know outburst has also come already. Right, and already. That's, so <laughs> that's, seeing, that's upsetting. You're seeing both aspects right. of the George, the good and the bad of the George Pickings this experiment, early. and you just hope that uh, they're both going to continue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope that the production continues more, more so, so than the outburst, though, for sure. We're going to talk more offense in the next episode. Uh, Can they get the running game going? This is a huge test for the Steelers' offensive line, who's been playing a lot better of late. We'll dive into that, flip it onto the defensive side of the ball, how they're going to stop Tyler Huntley and that Ravens' offense. A ton more stuff to get into as we break down Steelers-Ravens here on the Steelers' standard. Uh, Before we go, I want you to remind you to subscribe to the Mike Tomlin Game Day podcast, though. 
Bob Labriola sits down with Coach Tomlin every single week before that week's game to discuss the opponent and the current state of the Steelers. You don't hear Tomlin speak more candidly about football, about the opponent, than you will with his sit-down in labs. The episodes drop every game day, so make sure you're subscribing right now. You get a fresh one in your queue on Sunday before the Steelers take on the Ravens. He's Jacob Recht. I'm Tom Opferman. More Standard on the way next on SNR. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.